I'm so excited about what's about to happen in this room. I'm excited because for the very first time in our over six year history as a church, my wife is going to be speaking a full message from our stage and I could not be more excited about this. Before you fully welcome her into this moment, just wanna give you the backstory on what's happened leading up to this moment because this is not something that Courtney has like wanted to strive for, like give me a microphone and, and let me do all of these things publicly. Honestly, she has embraced the role of being a pastor's wife from the very beginning of our relationship. It's one of the reasons why we got married. But for six years, as I've grown and matured and learned how to be the lead pastor of a church, I would say equally as much, she's been growing and learning how to be a pastor's wife. And in that journey, a couple of years ago, as ACC was growing, she was having our first child and she was like, it's just tough because we're growing and there's so many females, like young women and older women who are a part of our church that I want to know and I want them to know my story and I want to pour into them, but I can't. And so in light of that, she actually started a blog called Pastor Wife Life. And she started writing and sharing her life with other people and going, hey, this is me being authentic. I can't get to know all of you, but here I am and here's what I'm doing. And that was awesome. But that was only intended just for people in our church to be able to get to know her better. And then all of a sudden, a little over a year ago, we got a call and an email from a publisher in California and they were like, hey, we wanted to know if you're interested in writing a book. And they're calling Courtney and going, would you want to take what God has placed on the inside of you and put it on paper? And we want to make that happen. And so, of course, right away, we're like, okay, is this a legit publisher? Is this a middle school kid in his parents' basement who are like reaching out, you know, what is happening? And then here we are. God has used her in an amazing way. And I'm so happy to announce to you that this Tuesday, October 27th, Grace is Enough. Her first book is available. It's available on Amazon. And it will be available here in our building next Sunday, November the 1st, for you to purchase. And I just tell you all of that to tell you, as she's sharing this message, this is not something that she has just wanted to share for the longest time. God is legitimately moving in her life, and she can't wait to share with you all of those things. But here's what I said. I was like, okay, your book comes out on that day. We're in a series on Ephesians, and we're landing on the most famous verses in the Bible that are all about grace. So on top of a message about how God is rich in mercy last week, what would it look like for us to talk about the sufficiency of the grace of God who's brought us back from the dead and into a new life because of Jesus himself? And so I'm so happy to welcome to our stage to bring the message for the very first time. Come on, would you give a huge ACC welcome to my wife, Courtney Fidel. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Thank you, Miles. Real quick, let's give a hand for Miles. Because, oh. <laughs> yes. We have to give honor where honor is due. And Miles leads our church so well week after week. And so it is just an honor to be able to give him a little bit of a break um, and to stand in here with you guys. So welcome to church. If you're joining us online, welcome to all of you. Thanks for joining in with us today. I am truly so excited 
to bring this word to you today. And if you know me well, you know that's not usually what I would be saying about being on the stage. I like to leave that spot for Miles, and I'm really good at being his biggest cheerleader in the back. Um, But I truly feel like the Lord has been stirring something in me, and I am just ready to get it out to you. And honestly, Miles has been like so excited all week because this has been a break for him. But I kind of got used to it because he knew the burden I was carrying and preparing this message. And all of a sudden he's like, hey, babe, you know, I'm going to make dinner tonight. (laughs) That was a first. (laughs) I was like, okay. Um, And then he's like, hey, I'm going to get the kids to all the places they need to go. And I'm going to do the laundry. That, that part didn't happen, but he did offer. So I was like super grateful. So just being honest, next time you see me up here, it's either because again, the Lord had a word or I'm just looking for some help at home. I'm just being truthful with you guys. But really today I am pumped because I have been sitting on this for a while and everyone has been asking, are you feeling good? Are you nervous? And I'm like, I'm just ready to get it out. Like I like am so excited about where the Lord is taking us and what he has been teaching me. And so I'm really excited to get started with you guys today. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and get it out. You don't have to turn anywhere yet. Just get it ready. Um, We've been going through the book of Ephesians. Miles um, has been leading us in that, doing such a beautiful job. His first message was on glorious grace, where we really talked about being adopted by God. And then we had another one about breaking through darkness. And that was just all about having hope through knowing God's power, that we can have hope, we can escape the darkness when we are living in the power of God. And then his one last week was all about being the richness of God's mercy. And that's what we're going to be building on today. And I'm just so excited to bring it to you. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're going to get started with Ephesians. I'm not doing the Bible drill. I'm just going out and saying it. I'm not doing it. I have mixed feelings about the Bible drill. I'm not sure how I feel about my husband having like a little dating service on the side. Just kidding. Not that he's doing that. ACC does not have a dating service. Um, But also, let me just tell you, when you guys are doing the Bible drill, it's awesome. It's like, let's show off our Bibles that we are bringing them. It is important to be in the word. But when I am in the room, Miles quickly does a span, finds me, gives me a cocky little wink because he has known Majority of the time, I do not have it. But that's because I'm getting up on Sundays. He's gone. He's long gone. He's at the church. He's getting ready. I'm getting up. I'm getting two young children up. Pre-COVID, I had a toddler. I had a baby. And I was like, okay, getting both diaper bags ready, getting them to the church on time, fed, looking halfway decent. One of us probably cried, if not all three of us on the drive here. Um, And then getting them dropped off. Usually when I'm sitting down, it's like halfway through the first worship song. I'm lucky if I make it by the Bible drill. But then he's like, hold them up. And I'm like, sorry. I'm like, this is my Bible. How am I supposed to carry this along with all the other things I have? So to prove him wrong, Because in every good marriage, that's what you do. You prove the other one wrong. Um, During quarantine, during one of my many, hey, let's organize the whole house phases, moms, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I came across this little Bible of mine. Um, I'm pretty confident I bought this in college. Um, I bought it to be my travel Bible. As you can see, it's like super small. Um, Just for a lot of mission trips I was going on or vacations I was going on. So when I found this during quarantine, I was like... I'm going to bring it, and I'm going to prove Miles wrong. Not, oh, I'm going to have the Word of God. No, I'm going to prove him wrong. And so 
know, wouldn't you know, when we came back into the um, building about a month ago, Miles is like, okay, if you have your Bible, hold it up. And I'm like, I do, I do. Um, But seriously, what's so funny about that story is that I was there to prove my husband wrong. But God is so much bigger than that and so much in the details. Because when he said to open up to Ephesians, I opened up this little Bible that I don't know when the last time was I opened up. And I saw this that I think we're going to put on the screen for you guys. This is a picture of my Bible, really into underlining. I love Ephesians. Um, But if you see over there on the right, it says, Prayer for Dad. And if I had just written that, that had been great, but I could have been any time. I've prayed for my dad a lot of times in my life, so I wouldn't have known what that was from. But I love that five years ago, the Lord knew I was going to need to see that. And so he had me write the date, June 10th, 2015. And I know for a fact, when I look at that date, that I was with my dad, because that was two days before his birthday. And I spent that birthday with him. And why do I remember that? Well, If you don't know the story, um, my dad was diagnosed with cancer in May of 2015, and then he ended up passing away that August, so it was very short, it was very quick. Um, But during that summer, my siblings and I took turns taking care of him as he went through treatment. And so I know on June 10th, 2015, I was with him, and I was praying that over him. But what's more powerful about just praying that is that if you didn't know, my dad didn't know Jesus before his diagnosis. He was not a believer. He maybe believed in the existence of God, of a higher power, but he was not tracking. He was not following along. And then in those few short months, I saw him give his life to Christ for the very first time. I saw him get baptized in his backyard pool by my husband. And I saw someone who didn't know God come to know him in a new way so that even though when we lost him and it was devastating, I got to celebrate my dad is now in eternity because of the summer, because of the diagnosis, because of the circumstance. And so why am I sharing that with you today? I just want to tell you, when you're in the middle of a circumstance, it can be really hard to see God's hand in it. It can be really hard to see his grace on it. But when you stand back and look at it, when I stand back and look at this, I see the gift. I see the gift of a short period of time where God captivated someone's heart, brought him home to him, and now we get to celebrate that. I get to celebrate that I'm gonna spend eternity with my dad forever. So I just had to share that with y'all today, yeah. Um, I had to share that with you guys today because that's what I opened up a month ago and saw that for the first time as I was preparing for this message. And so I just wanted to share that and encourage you. So if you're not already, you can flip to Ephesians 2. That's where we're going to pick up. If you're not there yet, I'm going to go ahead and pray over us. Um, You can keep flipping, but I'm going to pray before we really get into it. God, we just thank you for being in this moment today. We thank you for having your presence all over this room, for having your presence in the living rooms, in the dorm rooms, in the bedrooms, God, in community groups, in families, whether the person is by themselves, God, we just believe that you are in it and that your presence is there and that you have a word for us today, that you want us to encounter your grace and leave here feeling that freedom that your grace brings. So thank you, God. Be in this time with us. 
pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we are, we're picking up in Ephesians 2. Like I said, Miles has been doing a great job. So if you've missed any of the messages this month, I highly encourage you to go back and listen because they have really set me up for where I'm going today. Um, Just to recap, Paul is writing this letter to the church um, in Ephesus, and he is currently imprisoned. He planted this church a few years back, but now he's writing to encourage them and to remind them of this good news that he already shared with them. So last week, Miles started in chapter two. I'm actually gonna reread those verses with you guys today so that we can see where we're going. So we're gonna start in chapter two, verse one. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the crazy cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And now we're gonna get to verse eight where we're going today. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I wanted to reread everything um, that we read last week to really see what we were, see where we're going today. If you read verses one through three, like Miles talked about, it's like, man, Paul, just really digging in deep, telling us, no, you were dead. Let me twist the knife a little further. You were so dead because of your sin, because of the way you went to the world. And it's like, ouch, okay. But then he comes back with the good news in verse four. But God, being rich in his mercy, offers us grace. And so we're gonna talk about that grace today. And I really feel like Miles, you know, really set me up for success because he gave me these sweet little verses that I feel like Paul has just put like a neat little bow on of what our salvation is. And I'm gonna give you a neat little title if you haven't already gathered. Our title today is Grace is Enough. So if you're a note taker, that is our title. Turn to the person next to you, say Grace is Enough. Turn to the other person, say go by Grace is Enough. No, I'm just kidding. Shameless, guys, I had to. I'm just kidding. It's not about that. Um, But really, that is our title today. And that's truly, yes, it's the title of my book, but it's really the title of what I believe and what we're going to be living in today. So we're going to jump back into eight, starting with um, that first verse. um, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Paul is telling us, what do we see first? It is grace. Above all else, it is grace. That's how you were saved. What is grace? God's good mercy. That you didn't deserve it, but he gave it to you anyways. That you couldn't earn it, but he gave it to you anyways. No, you couldn't climb the ladder into his kingdom, but he came down and gave it to you anyways. That is what grace is. Perfect grace that we couldn't earn, but he so kindly bestowed upon us. But what do we do? What do we do with that grace? Well, it continues. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith is our response. Faith is what we have. Faith is saying, yes, 
I believe God. I believe you saved me by your grace. I believe you sent Jesus to save me on the cross. And again, that's not us choosing to do it. That's God planting that within us and us giving glory to him by just saying it out loud, saying it to the people around us, being baptized so we can express that, that yes, I am a daughter, I am a son, and I call you king, Lord. That is my faith. That is what I um, am leaning into. But again, this is not from us because Paul continues because he's like, if you haven't got it already, let me just really put this in here. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. On our own, we were hopeless. We see that in verses one through three. On our own, we deserved death. On our own, we couldn't ever have a full life. On our own, we were gonna continue to live in that sin and shame. But through faith, through the gift of God, he gives us this grace. He gives us the opportunity to respond with faith. That is a gift from him. But how, how do we get that? How do we get to that point of, yes, I accept it, yes, I believe it, and I know this is a gift from you? We have a relationship with him. That's what we do. We, we have to open this book to have a relationship with him. If you don't have a relationship with him, you're going to struggle to feel that grace, that grace that gives us freedom. You're going to struggle to feel the freedom. If you're walking in here or you're tuning in online, you're going to say, Courtney, that sounds awesome, but I don't feel that. Like, I'm a believer, Like, I know God, but I don't feel that. What does your relationship look like with him? I, um, this is a funny story. So a few years ago, three and a half to be exact, I remember, because Aniston was a newborn. Aniston is our oldest. She's going to be four in January. But um, she was a newborn, and it was a really exciting time for our church. We were um, meeting in the hotel in downtown Auburn, and that was so fun. It had been a dream of ours, and we were living it out, and it was so cool to see just the services added on as our numbers grew and just more people coming to know Jesus. But in honest actuality, it was a little difficult on our team. Matt Cole's not in the room today, but he would say, yeah, it was a little tough, the load in, the load out, making everything work smoothly. We didn't have our own space, so we were having to set that up every Sunday. And just to be honest, as beautiful as it was, there was a lot going on behind the scenes that was kind of going wrong. Um, We were just really struggling with sound stuff, light stuff, stuff that I never noticed, you probably don't either, but that the team wanted to do well. And so we're there on another Sunday. Miles is doing the announcements. I'm in the back with Aniston, and all of a sudden, the whole power goes out. Whole power goes out in the entire auditorium. Thankfully, it wasn't during worship. Miles wasn't in his message yet. He's just doing announcements, but still, power's out. Miles is up there just trying to be funny, kill the time, like, come on, guys, let's figure this out. The team, I'm back there near them. They're going frantic. They're like, I mean, just scurrying around, trying to figure out what is going on. I could just see the defeat on their faces. And then one of the guys on the tech team, who's actually on our staff, his name was Mitch. He comes up to me. He looks terrified. And he's literally like getting so close to me. And I'm like, I mean, you're awesome, Mitch, but we don't have this kind of relationship for me to console you in this moment. I don't really know what you're wanting from me here. But then he bends down and he picks up this cord right next to me, plugs it into the wall. All the lights come back on, sounds, the mics start working. And I'm like, oh, I had been pushing Aniston's stroller to try and keep her asleep. The cord caught on the wheel, pulled it out, 
Whole service went out. I was completely oblivious. Felt so bad for the tech team. Oh, y'all figured out. No, it was me. It was me that did it. Um, and there was Mitch looking so scared for me, looking so bad for me, just like, Courtney, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. You're going to have to deal with this. But <laughs> Mitch was scared because he had a different re relationship with Miles. Mitch and Miles were great. Miles is a great boss. I think everyone would say that. But at the, same, at the end of the day, he was still his employee. He was still his subordinate. He still wanted to make his boss happy. He saw Miles a few days a week and wanted to please him in his role. So yeah, Mitch was a little bit scared because that was his role. That was his relationship with Miles. But I just laughed it off. I was like, yeah, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, I wish that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, I feel bad that I put a dent in the service, but I wasn't scared. I wasn't scared to approach Miles after because I knew Miles. Miles and I had been in a relationship for like a decade at that point. We did life day in and day out. He knew me at my best and he knew me at my worst. I wasn't scared to approach Miles because I knew Miles was gonna give me grace before I ever had to ask for it. Miles was going to forgive me before I ever had to go to him. Miles was gonna laugh it off. Sure, it was annoying, but he was gonna be like, what are you gonna do? You didn't mean to do this. He knew I didn't mean to hurt him or hurt the service. The difference with me and Mitch was our relationship. And that's the same thing that is the difference. If you're trying to, if you're missing that grace that I'm talking about, what does your relationship look like with God? Because this is a continuous relationship that only grows and only gets better. But if you're not going and getting to know him, going to his word, then you're going to miss that relationship and you're going to miss that grace that I'm talking about. I really want you to know today that you can't receive the gift unless you know the giver. You can't receive the gift unless you know the one who's giving it. Because Paul continues in the next um, verse, in verse 9. We just read, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. Paul is saying, you can't do this. This is a gift. You can't earn it. You can't try and be good enough to do it. This is a gift I'm giving you. So just like you can't accept the gift without knowing the giver, you can't receive the grace unless you know the truth. You can't receive the grace that we're up here talking about unless you know the truth. So how do you know that? Just like I said, by reading his word. This is his letter to you. This is God's letter to you for you to get to know him. And this is what we need to go to today, to get to know God the Father and to be able to accept this grace that he's bestowing upon us. The gift only keeps on growing. It only keeps getting better. The more you get to know him, the more you track. If you're in this room and you've been tracking with the Father for a while now, then you can attest to that. You know it only gets better. You only feel more grace. You only feel more freedom. You only feel more peace from getting to know him and from tracking with him daily. So that is what we need today. So what do we do? What do we do once we have that relationship? How do we move forward? Okay, I'm gonna lean into the word, but what do I do? Well, Paul goes into the next verse to explain what we do from there. We are God's handiwork. This is verse 10. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay, but you said it's not by works. No, it's not by works. This is our response. This is what we do when we are responding to the goodness, to the gift 
that God has given us. We want to respond to him because he has given us so much that you know, again, if you've been walking with him, you have no choice but to just give him gratitude. If you are seeing him transform your life, you have no choice but to want to glorify him. How do you glorify him? By going to his word, by praising him, by being good to your neighbor. That's how you glorify him. That is your response. That is the good works. Not something that you do to try to get to him, but you want to do. It's the thing that stops from, I have to do this too. I want to do this. I want to worship you, Lord. I want to praise you for all you are doing in my life, that even in the hard circumstances, like I talked about it before, you are in it. You are in it, and you are seeing me through it, and I'm going to see your hand and your grace when I look at it at the end. That is our response to him. We want to live out of that grace. When you're in a relationship with him and surrender to him, he's going to steer you in a life that glorifies him. If you're wondering, you know, does my life look like it's pouring out works in response to him? If you are in a relationship with him, he's going to steer you in a way to glorify him. You don't need to worry about that. Um, I have been reading a devotional the past few years. Um, A lot of you probably read it. It's called New Morning Mercies. So good by Paul David Tripp. If you haven't read it, you should check it out. But I just have been doing it because it's really short. I can start my day with some encouragement. And when I was preparing this week, I read a quote by him um, a few days ago. And I wanted to share it with you because I just think it really hits home um, with what we're talking about today. It says, theology that isn't zealous to promote forgiving and transforming grace, the kind of grace that changes your life, is simply bad theology. Theology that isn't zealous to promote forgiving and transforming grace. If you aren't reading this Bible, if you aren't coming to know God's word, if you aren't in relationship with him and you're not completely transformed and you're not feeling that grace, then you need to look at what am I doing wrong? How am I, am I going to him thinking that I have to do something more? Am I going to him still holding on to all my baggage? Am I not letting everything go? What am I doing if I'm not able to feel that? So if you're not feeling transformed, I want you to just think about, you know, What does your relationship with him really look like? You need to open up your hands today. You need to hand it over to him. He wants to take it. He already did. You know, I think we view the cross sometimes as just a forgiven card. And it is. It is a beautiful picture of forgiveness. But it's more than that. You know, God put his son on the cross so that he could die for our sins. But he did it not just for that. He did it so that he could then view us the way he viewed his son. If you are in Christ today, you are not viewed as your old self. You are now viewed the way he viewed Jesus. You are now viewed as his son. You are now viewed as his daughter. And it's time that we started living a life out of that. It's time that we started living a life of freedom and peace out of that. I want you to experience that freedom and peace today the same way I have. So yes, I truly believe, I believe grace is enough. I believe it so much that Miles, so sweet, was talked about it that I wrote a book about it. And I do, I believe in this book because I experienced healing while writing it. 
Um, I believe in it because it is stories from my life that God came in and took me out of my old ways and poured truth into me through his word and through prayer. So I do believe in it, and I think it could help you. But more than I want you to get this book, you have to get this book. You have to read this book. If you have this at home and it's just picking up dust, you need to open it up. If you're just going to it a couple times a week or a month or a year, you got to open it up more. You've got to be living in continuous relationship with him so you can experience what he wants you to experience. It's all for you. It's a beautiful cycle that he, you know, he sent his son to die for us and to give us that grace and that in return we get to glorify him for all he's done. And that can just keep going, but you get to live in the freedom of it. If you don't jump in that cycle with him, you're missing out on the gift he has for you. And that's what we want you to take home with today. I want you to take home that this is an unachievable grace. You can't do anything to get it. That's hard for me as someone who lives out of wanting to achieve, but I have to remember I can't achieve it. It's undeserving. We don't deserve it. There's nothing like Paul says, we were dead. We were dead in our sin. But in his mercy, it's a perfect, pure, beautiful grace that covers you, that makes you clean, and that makes you new. So you can go ahead and close your Bibles. I'm gonna invite the band back up here in a second. And I just want to leave you with one story today, one more story. Um, It was another three and a half years ago, not the same Sunday that I completely shut down the church, but um, a Sunday close to that because Aniston was again a newborn. And um, we had multiple services, so Miles was doing the evening service, and I was at home putting her to sleep. And he had been doing a sermon series on generational sin. And as I was putting my little baby girl, month, maybe two months old, to sleep, and I was holding her, and I was looking at how perfect and clean and pure she is, I just had tears coming because I was thinking of all my generational sin, all the sin in my life that was gonna affect this baby girl. Every time I had heard those messages before, I had thought about my extended family and their sin and how that affected me. But now that I have this child, my first child, looking at her and thinking, my sin, my shame, that is gonna go on this beautiful little thing, this little thing that is so innocent, that hasn't had a time to sin, My sin is going on her, and I just, I felt dirty. I felt unworthy. But it was in that moment that God in his kindness, he just whispered to me, he said, Courtney, you're missing it. You're missing what Miles was saying, and you're missing what I've been saying to you all along. You're no longer dirty. That's your old self. You don't have to live in that guilt. You don't have to live in that sin or that shame. Courtney, the way you view that little girl as just perfection, that's how I view you. And in that moment, I just, tears were rolling even more. I was just like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for taking that off of me. Thank you, Jesus, for taking that off of me so that I can stand as a daughter before my father beautiful and perfect and clean. 
So I wanna encourage you today. I don't want you to leave this room or this online gathering the same way you came in. If you didn't get anything else as we go into this next time of worship, I just want you to go before your father and say, I want that grace. I want that freedom. I wanna let it go. I wanna experience the peace you have for me, Father, the peace that I am learning about in your word. That's what I want. So I'm gonna pray for us. And I pray that as I do, you would be leaning into the Father of what you need to let go today. God, thank you. Thank you for being a good, good Father. Thank you for being a God that knew we couldn't reach you on our own. For being a God that knew we just needed a savior. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for putting him on the cross for us and taking that sin and shame and calling us yours. In this moment, God, I just wanna say, I believe I am responding in faith. I believe. I believe in your grace. I believe in that power. And I wanna step into it right now. I don't wanna live my old life. God, I don't wanna live in my old ways. I don't want the shame and the guilt to just keep pushing me down, Father. I wanna live a life of freedom. And God, I just pray for every single person tuning in to Auburn Community Church right now that you would just pour that freedom on them, that you would just pour that love on them, Lord. We thank you, we thank you for your gift of grace. And we thank you for your son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.